Welcome back to Trending in Education. I'm Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined by Elise Awad, the Vice President of Strategic Enrollment at DeVry University. Elise, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And it was exciting, in fact, to hear that you, you're a listener to Trending in Education. So thank you for your service. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, I've listened to you on many of my runs. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And we were, we were talking a little bit about uh, digital inclusion, which is uh, a theme that we've talked a bunch about on Trending in Education. And it's definitely a topic that we want to dig into here as, as we talk to you about your experiences in higher ed and at DeVry. Maybe just to acquaint our listeners to you and your backstory, can you tell us what got you to where you are today in your career? Uh, absolutely happy to. So I have been working for DeVry University dating back to 2004. So I've been in higher ed for 16 years, mainly with DeVry. Love the, the culture and, and servicing students. And what's interesting is, and most people don't know this about me looking at my profile, but I started out as an admissions advisor, uh, working one-on-one -on -one with students and really uh, sort of became very fond of this career path because of uh, the powerful impact that that you you seem to find that you've made on students in their lives and you know from getting uh, to the start line of starting classes and you know joining their first online or on-site course and then getting to the graduation stage uh, and you know I think what's what's uh, led me to stay in higher ed for 16 years is and it all dates back to my very first graduate who by the way I carry a picture of him with me in my office and put him right in front of my computer to remind me of why I do what I do. It, it, it was the moment in time where I said, that, you know, higher ed is where I want to be. Higher mm -hmm. ed is what I want to do is, is him calling me to tell me that he not only completed with a 3.6 GPA, but mm -hmm. he is also so happy that he got his undergraduate degree and, and uh, is ready to go into the workforce and, and get back on his feet. In fact, when he started with us, he, he was recently laid off. Mm -hmm. um, and wanted to reskill and retool and um, get a really good job. And uh, he said, you know, he was so excited that he got his undergraduate degree that he was signing up for Keller Graduate School of Management, which is, which is our graduate school, um, wow. and was so excited to tell me that. Invited me to his graduation. It was in central Illinois. I did go. He lived in central Illinois, and I, he came up to Chicago, and I did go. And I think it, it was that moment, Mike, where I, where I thought, okay, this is, this is where I want to be, and this is what I want to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, education is a real helping profession and uh, it's a very positive relationship, you know, not just for the, the, the teacher uh, and the student, but really for everyone in an organization who supports them. So that's a, it's a great story. And can you talk a little bit about DeVry and DeVry's background and, and what their mission is, what their focus is? Yeah, absolutely. So our mission is fostering student learning through what we call high quality career and oriented education. And anybody that knows DeVry University and our heritage, we've been around since 1931 and we stood for technology then and we still stay relevant from a technology standpoint and we integrate technology, science, business and the arts in our education. We offer hands-on undergraduate and graduate programs and we are, our modalities consist of both online and on campus. We also have what we call the hybrid student, the student that, that does a little bit of both to meet the needs of a very diverse student population. Student population is mostly the what we consider and call the adult learner. Mm -hmm. Age range from 20, 25 to, to 45 primarily. And like I said, very diverse student population from an ethnicity standpoint as well. Right, right. 
And the focus on online or the readiness to deliver all or some or much of someone's undergraduate education online, in some ways that puts you in a, in a relatively good position to respond to the tumultuous year we've been living in in 2020. I'd love to get a little bit of perspective from you there around how things have changed over the course of this year and how the approach that DeBry takes around a healthy mix of online education with some varied flavors that include face-to-face. How did that position you to respond to the COVID-19 response? So yes, nobody would have in, in a million years anticipated what we've been going through with the COVID-19 pandemic and just how it's really presented a challenge for everyone regardless. But when you talk about higher education, and we were very fortunate to have already been a, in the online education space. And you know, a lot of our students, I would say the majority of them are online learners and those that are at, on campus have done assignments and things online. So it was an easier transition for us in that sense. But we did have, we did have students who were used to the face-to-face on campus, and we, we had to get more involved in uh, ensuring that they were more comfortable with, yep. the, with the online modality as more of a full-time, full-time model, modality for them in the, in the short term. So right. what I'll say is, you know, while we're dealing with unique and certainly unprecedented times, you know, I want to start with the fact that we're hearing about the challenges students are facing regarding the current situation and the shift to remote learning or online learning across the board. And for our typical students and, and you know, just going through the, the age range, I think you can understand and, and anyone can understand that life for them does not just stop because they decide to advance their education. The, mm-hmm. the current pandemic really just exacerbated the, the hurdles that they face. And, you know, I gave the example of my very first graduate who faced several hurdles, and I led with that to show that situations due to life circumstances, especially with the adult learner, have always really been prevalent. Work, Mm -hmm. family, personal situations, life's hurdles and barriers are very common um, for Mm -hmm. this this type of student demographic. And the difference right now is is really that everyone currently feels some sense of an impact due to the realities of COVID. Uh, We're all sort of um, feeling the same thing. And some more directly than others, of course, and really understanding and knowing how to support students online has really helped us uh, with this transition for that percentage of students that were used to the face-to-face from yeah. advising and support pre-pandemic really did not look any all that different from what it looks like post-pandemic yeah. um, as yeah, we're you, deeply rooted in this culture of care. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we were talking a bit about the concept of proactive care as well, which is, uh, in many ways tied to the promise of online learning in that you know you have the ability to measure how folks are engaging how students are engaging with your program and ideally start to identify those uh, risk factors uh, that mm-hmm. might lead to uh, disengagement and dropping out and not completing their degree can you talk a bit about the, that concept of proactive care Yes. So our proactive care model dates back years and years and COVID did introduce new needs and concerns for students. So we were very lucky to have big data and predictive analytics that can help us identify who needs us most from a support and care aspect without having them have to tell us. We want to be there for them before things escalate. And with COVID, 
look, parents became teachers on top of being college students, on yeah. top of juggling the, the, the needs of their, their jobs and their roles. Many of them considered essential workers, sustaining longer working hours, creating really a, a time barrier for themselves academically. So these situations really drove our student support advisors and our faculty members to, to lean in and really hone in on this, this culture of proactive care that we've been emphasizing for years and years. And some examples, we look at engagement in the learning management system. So how often a student is active in classes. We could see when they're active online, not just looking in the class and sort of reading the discussion threads, reading the assignments, but we know when they're participating as well in what we call academic events. And we could see time spent on current assignments. What's really neat about that is from a proactive and predictive standpoint, when you see that a, a student may be spending more time on an assignment than they should be normally spending, we know right then and there that there might be a little bit of um, churn in, in the class and they may um, need a little more support around solving a problem, whether it be mm -hmm. related to the, the specific assignment or an essay that they're, or a paper that they're writing. So we offer, and we always have, but we've really been focused on this, especially during the, the COVID-19 period, 24-7 tutoring options. Mm. Again, I, I emphasize 24-7 because, like I said, you go back to time being a barrier for them. And uh, especially if they're juggling being a parent, being a teacher, being, being a, someone that's an essential worker, I think that's really important to have a service that's available when they need it. Right. Um, not when we're available, right? So, and, and we do that, we do that normally, but I think using the data that we have at our fingertips, we know when to reach out and just say, hey, we're here for you. Right. We know that you're going through a lot right now and we want to be able to support you. Here are some services that we offer. Let us know if you need anything, you know? And, yeah, and it's just yeah. as simple as that. And that's, that's mm -hmm. what I mean by proactive. And those are some uh, examples of the predictive analytics that we use. And we can see when someone's not as engaged and mm. related to COVID actually, it's funny because our, so we operate in three semesters, eight week sessions, which is two times per semester. So we have six, eight week sessions a year and mm. our March session literally started right before um, things escalated and became a bigger issue with this virus in the U S mm. so around you know, the third or fourth week of the, the session, we started to see how COVID was impacting our students. And yeah, uh, wow. yeah. so I, I, I talk to faculty members often to find out what's going on in the classroom. You know, I, my role right now is I lead the admissions and the student support, student central function. So we, the way I describe it is we sort of work with students outside of the classroom. Right. Um, so it's really important to have that connection with faculty inside the classroom to find out what's going on, to make mm -hmm. sure that the data that we're seeing is truly showing the signs that we need to really re reach out and be proactive. That's really interesting too. An idea that's come up on the show a few times too is using big data, predictive analytics to understand the emotional state of a learner, not just, or the psychological uh, health of someone, not just their cognitive state. Because many times, we gravitate immediately to what did they score on an assessment and yep. how did they perform on a particular category? Let's get more questions in that category, which makes perfect sense. And that, that's definitely a way in which, you know, we develop cognitive skills. But I think what you're talking about is a little bit deeper. And I think it's something that I'm hearing really with any educator I'm talking to nowadays is that the conversations we have with students and actually our colleagues and our families and our peers are more about just the emotional health of the people on the other side 
And I think that's a profound shift. And in some ways, it sounds like considering the population, the adult learner that DeVry has been serving for all these years, in some ways you have more experience with those Mm -hmm. types of challenges and even designing a more flexible mode of delivery that allows people to fit their educational advancement in around the nooks and crannies of their lives rather than having to bend too much to the the traditional model of like a four-year undergraduate degree. I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, so emotional care is actually one of our four pillars of of the Mm -hmm. proactive care model. And I'm glad you brought this up because this pandemic is generating varying levels of emotions for students, either impacted by the virus personally or dealing with losses of loved ones due to the virus or just the reality of the changing landscape in terms of their lifestyles. And we've had or put in place tools, platforms, and services to support these students. An example of a platform that existed previously, but has seen an increase in utilization as of late, which makes total sense when you hear about it, is the sense of community. Look, if I'm on campus, I could talk to the, the peer next to me and we could talk about what we're, what we're hearing from the professor and we can really just sort of bond over that and do homework huddles in the computer lab. But yep. when you're online, it's very hard to, to form that connection. So we've for years had a platform through our partners at GetSet that offers that online community for connection for students. Hmm. And across the educational landscape, we've heard this stated for years that community has an influence on student persistence. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and being isolated from a campus culture and some of, some of their friends and family, even on a personal level, mm-hmm. we realize how important that sense of community will be in this environment. So truthfully, the majority of our students already um, knew about this uh, in some way, shape or form, but the adoption of it due to COVID did increase. And it allowed students and we saw some of the engagement in the community support each other and the amount of students that were just talking just talking about COVID-19 in general and how it's Mm -hmm. impacted their lives and just supporting each other via messages back and forth and how they can juggle schoolwork with the demands of life right now um, was really powerful and and there's just something to be said look I you know I could I could talk to you about the student support advisors and their impact on really caring for and supporting students. Same thing with faculty members, but mm-hmm. it, it does feel a little bit different when it's a peer saying, you could do this. Yeah, I feel the same way. And mm-hmm. I did this, you know, I did this, this, and this, and, and, you know, and, and there's that, that, that creation of a connection there. Um, yeah. And, and, and emotions, emotions were raw up from COVID-19. And then on top of that, the, the George Floyd murder mm-hmm. happens. And now we're in response to that. And it is a place where getting folks to just focus on their own educational advancement, if you can do that, it is a good time to lean into that aspect of your personal development. But it's yeah. hard, you know, and the, re- the things that get in the way, you know, the first mile, of your educational experience, the idea of digital inclusion, and the idea of being honestly emotionally ready to, to lean into your education. I imagine those are some of the things that you and your, your students are grappling with these days. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to, to talk a little bit more about digital inclu- inclusion, and I, I do listen to your, your podcast and, the, you know, the, the one that you did around digital inclusion really sort of hit home for me. There's a real challenge for some who have sheltered in place 
and don't have access to resources, as you guys stated on the, on the podcast. And, and we saw that, right, with the shift of online learning for this population of students, we anticipated some may not be fully equipped to successfully complete courses without the software yeah. or hardware support. And, and so technology is also one of our proactive care pillars. And to yeah. respond to that proactively, we did set aside inventory to offer complimentary loaner laptops for students mm-hmm. who relied on our on-site computer labs to complete their assignments it's actually interesting. I did go to the National Digital Inclusion Alliance Resources yeah. Center, and mm-hmm. there's a lot in there that I'm thinking, wow, we need to we need to equip our student support advisors with this information because this can be very helpful for students that are finding it very challenging from a technology standpoint. So yeah. we did yeah. pro- we did we we did provide tips and guides on where to find free hotspots and. When internet internet connectivity became a concern, we continued to help uh, direct students to internet service providers offering discounts due to COVID. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't the, here's your list of um, options, go after it and, and let me know how it went. We helped walk them through it and told them who to call and um, were yeah. there for them with anything that they needed. So um, yeah. yeah. yeah did, Andrew- yeah, Angela Seifer did on the yeah. show a couple of times. We need to get her back on to that for the show right in the, the thick of COVID. I, we were both she and I. Her, she she was doing much more amazing work at the time. I was just trying to survive. But I think we were both pretty shook that day. But uh, <laughs> but it's really powerful stuff. And you know, it is. It's a place where you can do good by opening up things that that many of us just take for granted. And it is really that first mile, like what gets people into the conversation to begin it and then as you were mentioning earlier Elise, like then the work starts then you have to mm-hmm. continue to engage to really keep them really right right on down the line to graduation and to a successful life which is really rewarding uh, i did want to understand as well your perspective on the types of skills that folks are developing to pay the bills these days because that is one aspect to devise curriculum that that is interesting you know, what types of programs do you provide and how does that tie to the future job readiness of the the population that you're serving? So we do focus, uh, like I said, on hands-on learning and more around the the, the career-focused curriculum. One of the things that I, you know, see as a, a potential trend in higher ed is people gravitating more and more to career-focused content and less and less the gen eds, if you will. Um, Not just studying for the sake of studying, thinking about wanting to study for knowledge and immediate application. And I think that's one thing that we do very well here at DeVry is very applications-based curriculum. Like I said, business, technology, healthcare, ranging from certificate associates, bachelor's, uh, grad certificate, master's degrees, allowing students to sort of choose what pathway they want to take. But I think it's really important building life and professional skills earlier for students to get out there and, and get back to work is important. And blending that tangible learning experience with the hands-on education that can be accessible at home or um, mm-hmm. in the classroom, I think is also important. One of the blogs that we wrote uh, was around courses with labs and allowing students to complete some of that kind of work anytime, anywhere, while equipping them with tools to do so built around the curriculum that, that truly matters in today's workforce. So yeah. we have a blog, like I said, it's um, around the Internet of Things, uh, and it talks about the take-home lab kit based on the Internet of Things and, and giving uh, students that, that, that hands-on experience. And that's just um, a, a, a taste of what we offer at DeVry. And that's really been our um, mindset and philosophy for years is that, yeah. that career-focused education. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because there is a there is a counter trend as well. There are folks who are staunchly defending the importance of a broader liberal arts education, which includes critical thinking, and uh, you know we we do try to get folks from all all ends of the spectrum to to provide some perspective there. But I think particularly for the audience that you're talking about, frequently the reason they're seeking a certificate or an associate's degree, bachelor's degree, or beyond is in service of their own earning potential, career development, but it's less about, in some ways, the luxury of their own edification. It's more, uh, I really want to advance myself and my family, therefore I need the fastest path, the most efficient way yep. to get to, to the career advancement that I'm looking for. Yeah, and it's funny, I have friends in, in higher ed and we like to talk about in higher ed and what we're seeing in the different institutions that we're working in. And I was having uh, birthday drinks on Sunday with a, with a friend of mine, socially distancing, of course. Was it your birthday? <laughs> yeah. I, Happy I, birthday. Last... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, was a, it was a great conversation. And actually, uh, Chris and I were just, were just chatting around what things may look like in the future. And you sort of touched on this and it, it reminded me, I believe that the collegiate experience is as much about learning the concepts as it is about building relationships and really broadening students' perspectives. I think we can all agree, and you talked about the, the Floyd situation, we talked about COVID, really anything that's going on in the world around us is, is forcing more difficult discussions and real viewpoints than ever yes. before, which mm -hmm. is gonna, it's gonna trigger a need for that critical thinking in terms of how to respond, how to communicate, and really keeping our students connected through a community beyond the classroom walls is extremely important, I think, mm -hmm. these days, and mm -hmm. reasonably can be achieved using social platforms, open video lectures, listening to podcasts like this, really TED-like talks, right, and forums yeah. and discussions. And, and those eager to learn will be eager to engage. And, and the best thing we can do is, is make it more accessible by highlighting the tools to do so and empowering mm -hmm. more meaningful conversations and genuine conversations and encouraging those types of conversations to persist um, yeah. as faculty members interact with students in the classroom. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So we're coming up uh, close to time, Elise. And I know as a listener to this show, you know that I like to ask people what other trends are capturing your imagination, what's happening out in the world around you that you're noticing that you want uh, the rest of us to know about. So, so any thoughts there? I love this question. I love that you ask it of all of your, all of your guests because I, I, I do, I've been jotting notes down of what everyone's saying. And I was actually just having, like I said, similar conversations with faculty members and friends. And I, I think there is now a larger appetite for online learning. No mm -hmm. doubt that COVID-19 has driven institutions and students alike to this point. Institutions have to provide uh, a great student experience when it comes to online learning for not only to have, not only for people to have an appetite for it, but for people to accept it and be comfortable with it. And I believe that institutions will have to have some form of online learning as an option for students moving forward if they don't already. Mm -hmm. And it really uh, comes down to what the experience looks like, like I said, and to increase adoption and comfort. And the next trend, which may have, many have published in articles as of late, is that the current state of the nation's economy, and I know Wired just published an article this week on this, may drive more college students towards those shorter pathways to just reskill. Many may not want to sit in class for four years and wait to get their bachelor's degree. They may want to reskill and get back to work. And even when the economy was thriving, we've seen this in higher ed in general, traditional and uh, non-traditional, that MBA programs um, and MBA enrollments are, are, are sort of shrinking. 
and there's more of a interest in the in the short short reskilling pathways for graduate students. I think that may become a bit more normal on the undergraduate side as well as people are looking to get back to work and get that promotion or advance their careers and and have opportunities to do so. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I did also touch on the fact that I think students are going to want less of the English and the math and the, mm-hmm. the, the real gen ed type focused courses and really want to jump in in their first semester, first year into those courses within their field of study. So uh, yeah. I think we're going we're gonna to start to see folks wanting to, to, to study more around applications-based learning and yeah. Uh, yeah, get knowledge. There get their hands dirty, if you will, even yeah. though it may be in something that is ultimately digital, but to to do some applied work, not just uh, more abstract or theoretical uh, general education like you're describing. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool stuff. So, uh, so how was it, at least as a listener? Did it, uh, you know, did it, was, did it meet your expectations? Did you have a good conversation? Absolutely. I will say this. I hope to be back. Awesome. Great well, conversation. So thank you, yeah. Mike. Yeah, really appreciate having you on. Elise Awad is the Vice President of Strategic Enrollment at DeVry University. Uh, Really interesting conversation. And thanks to our listeners for listening in. We'll be back again soon on Trending in Education.